Hi, you're listening to Taming the Terminal Part 3 of N, File Systems. This series of discussions is based on a collection of tutorials I wrote over at bartb.ie forward slash ttt. This originally aired as part of Cast episode 418 hosted at podfeet.com. I'm Bart Bouchotts and the other voice you're about to hear is Alison Sheridan, host of the Cast podcast. Well, we have finished our dumb questions. We have finished eating mm-hmm. our vegetables. Now do we get to play with the terminal again? Yes, we do. Although, I'm, uh, well, we get to play, but I'm afraid it's a theory episode again. Oh, we you see, oh. I'm trying to do it in such a way that we're not going to overwhelm people. Okay. So I've actually already written parts three and four. But as I was writing and I was like, this is too much. Okay. This is going to confuse people and Alison's going to kill me for giving her a two hour <laughs> chit chat across the pond. Okay. So, so I, ha- I have actually written parts three and four, but we're just going to do part three today. Okay. And we don't get to type any commands at all? We get one. Oh, okay. But it's purely for, for, purely for the lulls, actually. <laughs> All right. Really we'll useful. take it. Uh, we're still, we're, we're almost done with the foundation, but we're still building a, the foundation that we can build on later. And I've decided I don't want to rush that because if you don't build a strong foundation, by the time you get up to the 10th floor, you find yourself back at the ground floor again. <laughs> Or dead, one of the two, ah. if it's a real building. Um, so I, I do still want to sort of keep chugging along like we have been. So this is part three. So the first part we talked about sort of what is a command shell and why we might care in this GUI age. And then the next part we talked about, well, what is the terminal app? What's a command prompt? And what is a command? You know, what bits make up a command? And that was kind of important. Um, but this time we're going to talk about the file system. Because really, you know, we've said a terminal is in a folder and then we use commands to change folders and do things with folders. And, you know, the file system is kind of what it's all about at the end of the day. And we haven't really talked about it. So I think we need to do that before we go any further. Okay. Um, at the sort of the, the ground floor level, right, your hard disk can be considered to be a gigantic array of little pigeonholes. And inside each pigeonhole is a one or a zero. Just a great big grid of ones and zeros. Okay. And your actual data is like, you know, pigeonholes five to three million is this email you just sent. And pigeonhole three million and one to seven million is that photograph you're editing in Aperture. And somehow the operating system has to turn this grid of little boxes of ones and zeros into some sort of sensible architecture that a human being can get their brain around. Because... You and I are never going to say that sector is 42124 and cylinder 213 of the disk connected to the first SATA channel is my essay. Not going to work. Probably not. So that is the job of a file system. And every operating system has to implement one or more possible file systems. And uh, the nice thing is that they've all settled on the same metaphor. And the reason they've all settled on the same metaphor is because computers came after offices. And in an office, you also have the same problem. So in an office, it's not a pigeonhole with a one or a zero. That's your smallest unit of data. It's a sheet of paper. And a sheet of paper holds a lot more than one or zero. But the chances are that a lot of things you need to do in an office are made up of more than one sheet of paper. And there's also the case that your office is going to have millions of sheets of paper. And you still have to be able to find the right sheet of paper at the right time without, you know, making 10 secretaries spend five hours searching for it. So you have exactly the same problem to solve. You've got to find some sort of logic to put on these whole load of bunches of paper. And literally, the reason we call it a file system is because our computer file systems are just sort of based on the actual filing systems used in offices with actual files. 
And so in an office, you would take single bits of paper, group them into a document, either by taking a stapler and going crunch, or by sticking it, you know, a clip thingy over it, or one of those weird pieces of paper with two long ends that I can't remember the name of. <laughs> and you group them together, and then you stick them into like a little green foldy bit of paper that has a hanger bit on the top, and then you use that to group your documents, and they go into filing cabinets, which have little rails that hanging things fit into. And then somehow you label it all, and you can find what you need. If you're in a doctor's office, probably labeled by surname alphabetically. If you're in a library, probably by the Dewey Decimal System. But there's some sort of logic to turn the paper into findable stuff. And computers have taken that same sort of model, and thankfully they've all sort of done it with the same idea. Um, there's actually quite a few different file systems in use. So some file systems depend on the media, and some file systems depend on the operating system. So if you take a CD or a DVD, it doesn't matter whether you're on a Mac, whether you're on Linux, or whether you're on Windows, the file system on that CD is the uh, Joliet file system. Joliet? I've never heard of that. J-O-L-I-E-T. Hmm. Okay. You don't think about it because when you click the burn button, whether you're on a Mac, a PC, a Linux machine, that's what they're doing. But they don't need to tell you that because there really isn't a choice in the matter. That's what it's going to be. In the very early, if you, I remember way back when I got my first CD burner, you actually had to choose what file system to use, but there's only one of them that survived. So for a data CD, it's going to be the Joliet file system, and that's great. If you're in Windows land, you're used to the uh, FAT. 8, 1632, and XFAT file systems, and the NTFS file systems. So they're Windows-specific file systems. If you've grown up in the Linux world, you're used to EXT2, EXT3, EXT4, so the EXT family file systems. And if you're in Mac world, you're used to HFS+, which is a Mac file system. I've heard of that. Find it yeah. disk utility when I push that format this drive thingy? Exactly. Okay. So there's lots of these different file systems around, but they do all share an idea. And the idea is that your data goes into files, your files go into folders, which can contain files or folders, and the whole kit and caboodle goes into a file system. And then the okay. file system is on a physical piece of media. Uh, each file system has its own little quirks, but we're going to ignore them for today because really we're looking at the big picture here. So... <clears throat> Everything has a sort of a unique name. You can have lots of files on the same file system with the same name, but they can't be in the same folder. So every file still has a unique path, which starts at the root of the file system, and you, you just list all of the folders between you and the file, and that's the path to that file. And so if you have a file called myfile.txt, and you have it in a folder called myfolder.txt, you can have another file called myfile.txt, it just has to be somewhere else. So you can have my other folder which can contain another myfile.txt. I haven't lost anyone yet, I hope. No, I'm still here. So all operating systems agree on that sort of idea. So file system contains folders, which contains files and folders. Where they differ is on what symbol they use to represent, and this is the next folder. Okay. So if you grew up on DOS, you're familiar with the venerable old backslash. Yeah. So, I can never remember which one that is. I get really confused. Yeah, and URLs make it even worse, because URLs coming from the Linux world have things the Linux way, so URLs are the other way. So yeah, on DOS, it's the opposite to the way you're used to typing it in a URL, is how I remember it. Well, people or, always say backslash, and I go, which one is that? Is that the one above the return key, or the one under the question mark? Because I don't want to, it's well, just like, spring ahead, fall back, I'm not going to learn that either. <laughs> you see, this is where I can't help you, because in Europe, our keys are different. Oh, <laughs> Because my return key covers two rows of buttons, 
And so it's sort of next to the bottom half of my return key. But for you, it's going to be somewhere else. Well, in seven weeks, I'm not going to care. Never going to touch <laughs> Windows again. So in theory. True. Um, so anyway, that's the backslash. On classic Mac OS, as in before OS X, it was the colon. Hmm. And believe it or not, until iTunes 11 came out, if you clicked the command I on a file in iTunes, because iTunes was still written in Carbon instead of Cocoa, it was actually still using the old libraries from Mac OS. Hmm. And it, if it showed you the path to your file, it was like Macintosh HD colon username colon iTunes library colon the file name. I it was do still remember using- seeing that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That is ye oldie classic Mac OS file separator still in use, still alive and well, well into the 2010s, which is kind of amazing. And then, of course, in the Linux and Unix world, and now in the OS X world, it's the forward slash that we use. So slash home slash username, etc. Right. So, okay. Um, a single floppy disk or a single CD or a single DVD contain a single file system. But that's not true of hard disks or thumb drives or network drives. So a single physical hard disk, we've decided to make things more complicated by allowing you to break one physical hard disk into multiple virtual hard disks that we call... um, Ah, ah, now what I hate when I have a brain freeze. Uh, Not sectors. Partitions. Mm, Right. Um, So it's not one file system per hard disk. It's one file system per partition. So if you break your hard disk into two partitions and you give each of them a name, you have two file systems. If you break it into four, you have four file systems. So it's one file system per partition, one file system per CD-ROM, one file system per floppy disk, if you remember those. <laughs> and every network share you mount is, from your point of view, an entirely separate file system. Okay. So in your day-to-day life, you don't have one file system in your computer. You have lots of file systems in your computer. And within each of those file systems, every file name is unique and every, every file path is unique. But you could have two file systems that have the same folder names and the same files within them. How does your computer choose to unify all these file systems into one global namespace without collisions? Well, that's a good well, there question. can be no ambiguity, right? Okay. That is another big question. And this is another one of those places where different operating systems have chosen different approaches. And really, it's the Windows way, or the DOS way, and everyone else's way. So we'll start with the Windows way. Uh, so the Windows way is that every file system gets a letter. It's identified by one letter. For purely historical reasons, A and B were kept for your floppy disk and your other floppy disk drive, which you don't <laughs> have anymore. So the first, the first Sec, the, the first partition on the first hard drive on the first ID or SATA bus on your motherboard gets the drive letter C. I've actually I always wondered what happened to A and B. They, they were floppy drive one and floppy yeah. drive two. Yeah, because you needed to copy things from one to the other. Yeah. Oh. So you had to have two of them. <laughs> I remember those days, yeah. Um, so then the first, part, the first virtual hard drive, it could be a partition, it could be a real disk, is C. The second one is D. And you get all the way on to Z, if you like. And when you mount a network share, it also gets assigned the drive letter. So the downside is that uh, you can only mount 26 file systems on a Windows system. Oh. Because then you run out of letters, which are called drive letters. So a drive letter is a file system. And so basically, C colon slash, you can have exactly the same path as you have on D colon slash, and there's no collision. So we have solved our problem of having every file and every file system still have a unique name. 
So it does achieve the goal, but it achieves it in a short-sighted way. Because let's face it, when DOS was written, 26 file systems seemed nuts. Because they were probably only using floppy disks. Now, who's <laughs> right. going to have 26 floppy disks in the front of their machine? Never happen. Madness. Yeah, never going to happen. So that's the Windows way, and it, it works fine. Uh, there is a slight asterisk if you're using the latest versions of NTFS and if you're using the latest versions of Windows, it can actually do things the Linux way, but no one actually does. Okay. But anyway. So Linux chose a different route. Uh, actually, just one other thing just to mention, right? So Windows, it calls them C colon whatever, but it does actually let you put a title onto those disks. It just doesn't really do anything with the title. They're called volume names and they show up in Windows Explorer and they're kind of helpful so that you can figure out, okay, so that hard drive we just plugged in, is it K today? Maybe it's L, maybe it's M, who knows? So at least it shows a little label to help you out. Uh, Linux, thankfully, makes much better use of those labels than Windows does. Um, a good analogy for that sort of setup is that you can describe a file system as a tree. Every branch on the tree is a folder, and every leaf is a file. And branches break off into sub-branches, so they're subfolders. And leaves can exist on any branch, whether it be a branch, a sub-branch, a sub-sub-branch. So it's a fairly good analogy, actually, for a file system. And so Microsoft's way of dealing with multiple file systems is effectively to plant a little copse of trees, between <laughs> 1 and 26 copses of trees, and give each one a letter from A to Z. If we take that same analogy, we can then have a better chance at describing what Linux does. So Linux decides that your system disk, so the the partition that you have told the installer is your main system, is going to be the one and only tree you have. And instead of planting other trees around it, you're going to graft other trees onto branches of your initial tree and build one giant big Franken tree. <laughs> okay. Right? Okay. So as a Linux system boots, the first thing that the bootloader does, it say this this partition over here, this is your system disk, and it is given the shortest possible name, which is a single forward slash. And so that file system is called slash, and all the folders in there will be slash folder one, slash folder two, slash folder three. And then as it continues through the booting, one of the, on that first hard disk, there has to be a file called slash etc slash fs tab. I've heard and of this etc file, thing, but I don't know what it is. It stands for editable text configuration. Oh, okay. So not et cetera, as most people think it's. So <laughs> right. basically, if it's in ETC, you're allowed to edit it with a text editor because it's an editable text configuration. Okay. So that file... So I should probably go in and mess with that then. Is Absolutely, yeah, just delete it. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> don't do that. Um, so in that file, it lists all the other file systems and it tells the operating system onto which branch it should graft those file systems. Wait, so wait, wait, very, let me... Let me let that sink in for a second. So I've got this this first stump here that with my slash, and now I'm going to have other file systems branched yeah, onto so that. So the first stump has a bunch of folders in it that, is, that has all your system folders. And then it contains this file that says, and now you're going to stick the other trees as sub-branches onto this original file system. So an example will probably help. It's very, very common in the Linux world to have a separate partition or a separate hard drive for people's home directories from the actual system disk. And so there's going to be a sector somewhere that contains a folder called Allison, if you have an account, a folder called Bart, if I have an account, and they're going to be the base folders on that partition. When Linux boots, it's going to take that other partition, it's going to slap it onto slash home, and so the folder Allison in that file system has just become slash home slash Allison. 
Okay. Okay, so you get the idea that you, you basically you take what was the root of one file system and you insert it into the other file system at a point. So Allison becomes slash home slash Allison. And you can insert another file system anywhere. You make an empty folder on the master file system, you run a command called mount, and it just sticks in another file system from that point on. And you can build up your tree as, as complicated as you like. And this allows you to do all sorts of cool things, like if you, you could have an, an, a network share using something called NFS, Network File System, that has a whole bunch of apps on it that everyone on your network has to use if they're all using Linux or Unix. And instead of copying it to everyone's computer, you can just say that slash user slash local is going to be this network share over here, and it's going to be the one copy of the data that everyone gets to use, and everyone sees it as slash user slash local. Ah, okay. You know, so you know all these kind of cool things. It's very powerful. It's also highly confusing <laughs> to non-sysadmins and power users. And in the bad old days, so you'd run an installer, and it's going to create FSTab for you. And it's going to specify what to do with all the hard disks that were there at the minute you did your install. And while you're doing the installer, you can say you've this partition for home and this partition for var and this partition for user local. You can do all that, and that's great. And then you buy a USB hard disk and you plug it in. Nothing happens. You then have to go and edit FSTab and say, this hard disk, I want you to make it be slash media slash Bart's new hard disk. And then you take a thumb drive and you plug it in. Nothing happens. You've got to edit FSTab again. Ugh, horrible, right? Can, can I interrupt you for a second? In the show notes uh, that I'm reading along with, which I recommend you all be doing by this time, is uh, you refer to mount points. You said mm-hmm. that FSTab, the file system table, tells the OS what file systems mount and to what mount points. What's a mount point? So a mount point is, is so it's an empty trees? folder. It's an empty folder that is the point where you should stick it in. So slash home is the mount point for the partition that contains all of the home directories. So it's just a directory. It's just, it's, it has to be an empty directory because otherwise mount will go, uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, okay. You just, so you basically, if you want to stick in another file system, you make an empty directory and you say, now put that file system into that directory. Okay. Got and you. that's called mounting. And so you call the empty directories mount points. Just, yeah, just some terminology. So thanks for actually stopping me there. Okay. So in the battle days, you had to manually mount everything by either editing FS tab or by using the mount command. And it was ick. And it meant that Linux was not friendly to USB. But thankfully, something called auto mount was invented, which does exactly what it says in the tin. And so if you have an Ubuntu, like every version of Linux has their own unique special spin on these things. But I'm going to use Ubuntu as a good example because I have an Ubuntu machine here. So on Ubuntu, if you plug in a USB drive, it will automatically be mounted under a folder called slash media. And it uses those nice um, volume labels that Windows ignores to make a sensible mount point. So let's imagine that Allison has a little USB stick and it's called Allison Pendrive. Okay. But you're not of course, that's what I would do it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's going to be called over, Thor, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you then walk over to an Ubuntu machine and you plug it in. Auto mount will say, oh, there's a new hard disk here for me to mount somewhere onto this file system. I have to stick this into the tree somewhere. And I'll say, well, I'm, I'm Ubuntu. And the way I do it is I go to the folder slash media. I make a new empty folder with the same name as the label on that disk. And then I mount that disk into that folder. Oh, so okay. all of a sudden slash media slash Allison Pendrive comes into being and the file system is grafted in there. And then I walk along with my thumb drive. I stick it in slash media slash part thumb drive appears and all my stuff gets mounted in there. 
So if you Pardon, had a file this, called- this just got to me why this fundamentals are important because this is something that has always confused me when I play around in in uh, the command line in the little bit that I have. I'll, people mm-hmm. talk about mount points and all this stuff, and I'm just like, what are you even talking about? And if you don't understand yeah. the basics, it gets real hard to follow somebody's instructions without just blind faith. Yeah, because we're going to get to OS X in a second, then hopefully people are going to go, oh, right, so that's why that does that. So just to drive it home with one final analogy, so let's say that your imaginary thumb drive contains one file inside one folder. You've called the folder highly imaginatively my folder, and you've called the one file within it myfile.txt. As soon as you plug it in, that file will show up in the file system as slash media slash Allison pen drive slash my folder slash my file dot text. So hopefully that makes it make sense to people. Yeah, yeah. Does to me. So the plus side of the, of the Linux Unix way of doing things is that it's immensely flexible. The downside is that it's immensely confusing. And OS 10 doesn't like things to be confusing. So Mac, OS 10 took the same Unix Linux idea because OS 10 is a Unix but it simplified things. And you've run into this the hard way, Alison, because by making it all simpler, you have you end up in trouble because you don't want to have your home directories on your startup disk. <laughs> yeah, if to, you were to, on Linux... To recap, I have my uh, home directory is sitting on a spinning hard drive and my uh, operating system is over on the solid state drive. Yeah. And if you were on Linux, that would be trivial. You would just say to your installer, take... I think you call it Fatso is the, the big old disk. Right. Take Fatso, Fatso and, and mount it into your system disk as slash home slash all of my files. Right. And that would be no problem at all. It would work just fine. And the OS expects that kind of behavior and it won't trick the OS up. OS 10, on the other hand, expects that everything to do with the system, including user home directories, be on the startup disk. And that makes your life hell because something that would be trivial to do on Linux becomes, I now have to fight the operating system on a Mac. So Macs do have a file called fstab. However, this is the one command we're going to use today. If you actually read it, it actually tells you not to use it. So if you go to a terminal now and type cat for cat, which is a command that shows you the contents of a text file. So cat space forward slash etc forward slash fs tab and then hit the tab key to auto complete it because it's fs tab.hd for some reason and hit enter you will see the lovely little warning apple i'll put in there for you i don't actually get anything when i type cat space slash etc slash fs tab i don't get anything at all okay because it works for oh me. actually uh i have to type in the hd yeah, you have to, yes, you have to type in the HTC. So oh, okay. This file does nothing, contains no useful data, might go away in future releases. Do not depend on this file or its contents. <laughs> in other words, yeah, you may think this is a Unix system. Don't do that. <laughs> Ignore right? this file, but it has to sit there. It, yeah. Well, I don't even think it has to sit there. I think if you delete it at OS 10, wouldn't give a flying monkey because it doesn't use it for anything. Okay. It's just there so that the Unixy people expecting it to do something will see <laughs> the message telling them not to expect it to do something. I like it. I like it. So I just put it in there for a giggle. Um, okay, good. And I got so, to type a command, so I'm happier. Yeah. So OS 10 uses its own flavor of auto mount. So whenever you plug in any file system, whether it's an, a hard drive, be it internal or external, whether it's a second partition on your one internal hard drive, whether it's a thumb drive, whether it's a memory card from your camera, whether it's a network drive, or whether it's a DMG file, which is actually a file system within a file, just to really break your head. 
they all get mounted by auto mount and they all show up in slash volumes with a capital V slash whatever the name of the volume label is. Oh, so they're not going to be over in uh, slash media. Yeah. So Apple doesn't use slash media. It uses slash volumes with a capital V. Okay. Okay. But, and you can go there and you can verify this. So if you open up a finder window Mm -hmm. and if you like command shortcuts, it's command shift G for the go menu, or you can go to the go menu and go to folder dot, 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 whichever you prefer. I like command shift G. And then you type into the little pop-up window that comes up, forward slash volumes with a capital V, and it'll tab complete after VOL. And hit enter. You will see everything that's currently mounted. So if you plug in a thumb drive, you'll see a, you'll see a mount point appear, and it'll have a nice icon because it's a Mac. And then if you eject it, you'll see it disappear. And if you plug in, if you mount a network drive, it'll appear. And when you eject it, it'll disappear. And in fact, the little devices section in the sidebar of the finder is just simply showing you the content of the volumes folder. Oh, cool. And so that is how OS X mounts file systems. And that's how OS X has chosen to deal with this problem of how do I make sure that every file on any of the lots and lots and lots of file systems that I'm using at any time always have a unique name? That's how it does it. Oh, cool. So that actually didn't take a longer than I thought. No, no, this is is actually good. We're at about 45 minutes, so we've gotten a a fair idea of the the structure. And why do we need to know all of that of the the Windows and Linux and and OS X ways of doing things? What what is that going to give us going forward? Well, I suppose the most important one to know is the Mac one, because that's what we're going to be doing. But the Linux is very similar. Uh, It's just, you know, an Ubuntu with just slash media instead of slash volumes. Okay. From next, what we're doing next is we're going to learn how to navigate around this file Ooh. system. But Yay. how do you navigate around something you don't understand? So we've basically been doing so, driver's training in a in a simulator where you haven't even let us use the gas yet. But next time we get to get out on the open road, yeah, drive well, around. We put you in the car anyway. We, we <laughs> definitely put you in the car next time. <laughs> yeah. So next time is basically we have we have we have another concept to get into our heads. But I'm not going to do it now because I don't want to overload people. And then we get to do three commands next week oh, or next yay. time. Two weeks from now. All right. Perfect. And well, just that's... for good measure, I've, I've thrown in the, the DOS equivalents as well for anyone following along on Windows. Cool. Just All right. Well, we're, we're getting there. I'm, I'm glad you aren't going too fast because if you did it much faster than this, I'd, I'd uh, probably stop listening because I'd get confused and then get mad and then not want to play anymore. Yeah, yeah, I'm sort of hoping to find the happy medium between not doing that thing teachers do where they pretend the world is simpler than it really is <laughs> and just overloading everyone. So I'm hoping to sort of navigate that line. I think that is a talent you have. People tell me that all the time. I was telling uh, Bart before the show started was that uh, people tell me all the time how much they enjoy his segments and that they miss him when he's not on the show. So uh, very excellent. Loving it. And now I'm blushing behind the microphone. But uh, I know you hate that. Sorry. <laughs> it's a cultural thing. Europeans can't stand being complimented. <laughs> it's like you hit them smack in the face or something, which is weird and stupid. But I like it. I so when I want to irritate you, I say nice things to you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like if you say to an American, how are you today? They'll say something like, I'm fabulous. If you say to a European, they'll say, if you're lucky, ah, not too bad. <laughs> or could be worse. This is a classic Irish one. Or, oh, like I'm, I'm Okay. <laughs> All right, Bart. Well, we will talk to you again in a couple of weeks. We will indeed. And until then, happy computing. 
We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Taming the Terminal. Remember that all of the information you've been hearing is available as text tutorials at bartb.ie slash ttt. If you'd like to contact us, you can write to allison at podfeet.com or podcasting at bartafisser.net. <laughs>